Thanks for joining with us today on our Potter's Hope podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and gives you strength to live out the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message. I was thinking this morning as I get ready to preach, and I rely so much on the Holy Ghost. You all know that. I got a few thoughts this morning the Holy Ghost has given me this week that, that I want to bring forth. It's more than thoughts. I believe that He's put it in my heart and mind for you. But I was thinking, God, I don't know what it's going to be like when everybody gets back up in here. Church, if you're watching from out there, I'm going to tell you this, man. Potters, you know what I'm talking about. Man, it's so thick in here this morning. It's thick, boy. And only the sword of the Spirit can cut it. It's thick. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. One thing that's encouraged me, Asher, that I've seen throughout, Amy many times will show me many of the comments. You all know I'm a creeper on her Facebook and different things. And when I say that, I speak that with all respect. But she shows me how lives are being changed and how people are watching in Florida. George, we're praying for you. How people that are watching in Germany. I love my family. For you that are watching here. And for those of you maybe that are listening at the nursing home and you just wish you had a little hope, can I tell you, hope's on its way. No, hope's already here. If you're listening today and you're there in your home throughout this county, maybe the borders of other counties, Breck County, Hardin County, can I tell you God declared that His Word will not return void, that this Word has a promise attached to it. Why? Because with that promise comes a purpose. I'm on my way to Pentecost. I need to tell somebody today that, listen, I don't have to wait till the 31st to know that the Holy Ghost has been given. I got that a long time ago, and I'm still getting a download. I'm almost getting an overload, hallelujah, of the Holy Ghost. I made up my mind early that not only am I experiencing revival, but Lord, I'm going to do what I need to do to maintain this revival. It's no different than experience your wedding day. You invested in it, only to find that it's futile if you don't invest in the marriage. You experience God at one point in your life, but if you don't maintain Leave you broken, bruised, and hurting. Well, with much joy, today I get to bring you this message, the table of restoration. What is restoration? What is restoration? Restoration is bringing something back to its original state. Bringing something back to its original state. The one thing that many of you hear today is that we're not going to go back to the way that it was. And we hear about guidelines, changes, and everything else. And here's what I need to tell you. That sure, there's COVID-19, but COVID-19 has brought us to a closer 2020. Because what's happening right now is that people are drawing nigh to God, and God's drawing nigh to them. Why? Because their focus is on Him. So bringing it back to its original state. So we're going, Lord, I want to go back and have church like we used to. No, I don't want to go back to church like we used to. We've had some incredible services, man. We've seen God do some incredible things. But at the same time, while probably three or 400 are getting it, there's 50 or 60 or 70 or 100 trying to fall asleep and wondering about how quick they can get out of church. I'm going to share something with y'all, man, and it's not going to set well with, with, with everybody, but I'm going to be real. 
I asked this praise team. I've asked them before. I said, well, so tell me, how y'all coping with this? They said, man, we having church. We having revival. I said, don't y'all miss everybody? Yeah, we miss them. But what we finding is that we don't need you to have him. Uh-oh. Now, when I say that, don't y'all be wigging because all this praise team love y'all and cares for you. But I've got to tell you, God is jealous. And if I'm seeking you more than I'm seeking him, then I've missed you. So restoration, bringing things back to the original state in which it was. So do we want to go back? Are we going to rewind two or three months and say, take us back to where we were? No, we got to go further than that. Let's go back further than that. Let's go back six or 8,000 years. Let's go back to the garden. Just I'm, I'm going to lay this out. If we're going to go back to the original state of where things were, Mike, let's go back to the garden before sin was in the garden. Let's go back to the original state where God walked with man. And where man listened to God. Let's go back to the original state when man had authority, when he had power. Let's go back to the original way that God intended for man and wife to govern what he had given. Now let's don't go back to the way things were. Let's don't go back to second best. Let's don't go back to that's good enough. Let's go back to the best is the best. And what God is bringing back is the church to the original state before sin entered in. When man had authority, had power over unclean things. Uh Uh-oh. When man had power and authority. And when man took power and authority and put things under his feet and understood that what I walk on, I've got power on. Today, you're wondering why you don't have authority and power. It's because you'll sit on the couch and you, uh uh-oh, now quit, uh uh-oh. It's time for you to put your foot down. My mama, when my mama was going to get things right in the house, she said, you know what? I'm getting ready to put my foot down. If some of you are ready to put your foot down, you can take authority. My mama had authority. And when you put your foot down, you can start having authority. What am I talking about? Every place, the sole of your foot to the seed of Abraham, every place, every step you take, He said to Abraham, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I will give you that. You want hope, but you'll never leave despair. I said, you got to step out of despair and start stepping into hope. Our God is a transitional God. Sure, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But our God is always, Amy, always on the move. We say, God, we need a move. Can I tell you, God's never stopped moving. His people have got stagnant, complacent, and lethargic. And man, I'm telling you that with some love. What I'm trying to tell you today is that I and you are in revival. I don't know about you, man. I get get happy. I get joy. And I start stomping my feet. Share a little bit of something with you, man. I'm just going to follow the Holy Ghost today. I got points. I'll get to some points, maybe. I think I will. Kathy, just wait. But the real part of this is I understand that there's something behind that stone. I understand that I don't do it for me. I don't do it for you. I do it because of him and what he's done for me and you. 
I remember I preached revival before, and several years back, I was in a revival up in Hardin County. About the second or third day in that revival, when I say, quote, revival, I told Amy, I said, baby, I said, my foot is hurting. Feels like a stone bruise. She looked at me, of course, you know, these women smart. She's smart. She said, you know what that is? I said, no. She said, you've been stomping and carrying on in that revival? Huh? I said, yeah, baby. So see, when I'd walk, I'd feel that pain. But can I tell you, I done bruised the head of the enemy. Come on. If some of you learn how to stomp. If you'll get the enemy out of your head and under your heel, you'll take the promise. I'm talking about restoring things. Back to Genesis chapter 3. I'm talking about the first promise that was revealed of the Messiah. God's going to take it back to its original state before sin came. If you want to stay in your mess and expect the blessing, forget it. Ain't going to work. God said, I cannot, that's a table of compromise that was tied to last week. I cannot mix the holy and the profane. I can't do it. You can't drink the cup of devils and drink of the Lord's table and supper also. You can't commune with God on Sunday and live like hell on Monday. I'll tell you, you know what, I, I, I am, I'm in revival. Because revival, Mike, is in you and me. So God, take us back to its original state. Don't take us to where we were three months ago. First step of doing that, this whole story, I ask God to fill in the blanks. I give you the first verse, number one and number 13, and you can see what, he just starts with the king's kindness. Point number one is this, and you need to write this down. And it's simple, you write it down, you say it, but do you believe it? I want you to declare in this house, say this with me. God is for me, not against me. I'll tell you right now, you need to declare that and speak that over your own mind every day. God wants to show you kindness. God does not want to kill you. He wants to cure you. God, you've got to understand that this is the very foundation. Why would God be out to kill you if he sent his son to give you life? That's a crazy thought. That's a lie from God's mad at me. God's this and that. Can I tell you, God cannot, will not, never has been happy or agreement in agreement with your sin. But if you're going to start this and you're going to understand seeing the me and Mephibosheth, number one, God is for me. He is not against me. People are saying right now, you've heard me say, you've heard it come out of my own mouth, God's in it. God's in it. You've heard me say the whole narrative has been for the past two or three months. Man's hands tied to it too. Can I tell you, I'll say it again. God's allowed it. Why? Because what he's doing, Amy, is getting people's attention so that they can have intention. Why would God, why would God curse the children that he sent his son to bless? Why would God be out to kill you if he sent his son to save you? What's this about? This is about repentance, and it's about revival coming to every home. It's about taking the lackadaisical, the lackluster, the complacent, lethargic, religious cloak that we've wore for much too long and bringing us to a vibrancy in Him and a vigor that we have never had before.
And the only way that that comes, it cannot and will not come through the flesh, but it's already been released through the Spirit. And whosoever will, listen, call on the Lord and see the one that saved you if he won't fill you and fill you again and fill you again and fill you again. Aren't you thankful today that the Lord said, I'm going to pour that oil upon your head. It's going to start in your mind and it's going to go all the way to your feet. Hallelujah. When you start thinking it, you're going to start believing it and then you're going to start walking it. I'm going to drive this point home. God is for me, not against me. Romans 8, 31, still in the same narrative. 2 Samuel 9, the king's out to show me kindness. Romans 8, 31, Paul speaking. What shall we say then to these things? And by the way, those things were this. Listen, man, if you got time today, read Romans 8. It is one of the greatest chapters in the whole Word of God. 6, 7, and 8 of Romans will take you on a journey that I'll guarantee you if you'll take your time to study it, you'll see who you were, who you are, and who you're going to be. But you've got to do it. What should we say then to these things? Remember, is it verse 28, guys? Is it verse 28 for he said, That all things work together for the good, for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Can you say that right now? Can you just begin to thank God for what's going on? That God, I know there's a purpose behind this. I know, God, that you've got a plan. What shall we say then to these things? Here it is. If God be for us. Who can be against us? Well, what if this nation does this? What if China does this? What if this does this? What if this? What if that? Can I tell you, this and that may happen, but he has already come, and he's already doing what he planned to do. Can I tell you, hell and the world can be against me, but declare today right there in your home that if God be for me, who can be against me? Point number one in restoration. God is showing his kindness to me. And God is for me, not against me. I'm not done. He says this, I love it. He goes on to declare in verse 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God didn't give you the virus. God didn't give you this. God didn't give you that. Sure, one day we're going to die, but guess what? Comma, not period. We got life and life everlasting. Don't do nothing to speed that up. Because can I tell you, I know there's a greater revelation, Asher, of him coming. But boy, I'm telling you, he's showing the church some, some parts of him that they've never seen before. Because they're getting more intimate with him. God's going to give you some stuff freely. Like verse 33 when it says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is it that, that lays any charge to you? I want you to think about something you got free. Who is it when it says this, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. When people look at you and say, Who do you think you are? Can I tell you, I don't operate in that anymore. Why? Because I know who I was, and I came and brought that to the I am, and now the I am is living on the inside of you and me, and I'm not what I used to be, and praise God, I'm headed. 
You can't charge me with that. Listen, if you're gonna, you want to be charged with a crime, there's got to be credible evidence. So when people come to you and say, hey, are you the one that used to do this? For those of you that knew me in high school and you knew how big a mess I was, I just have to say yes. But what about these people that know you, Asher, Jake, these people that come into your life and they say, hey, you know what, I'm going to charge you with a crime. I'm going to charge you with this. We're talking about laying anything to this. So they look, say, are you the one? You have to say, yeah, I mean, be truthful. They say, who do you think you are? And they tried to charge you with a crime. Can I tell you, with my restitution, I mean, with my restoration comes restitution. That when you look at me or that when they look at you and you know you were guilty of the crimes, let me go ahead and share some of them with you. How many of you stole something that wasn't yours before? How many of you ever lied and didn't tell the truth? How many of you ever murdered somebody with your tongue? Maybe you were that person that was so drunk you couldn't find your way home, but somehow you made it back to your house. And then when people see you now and you're different, and they look at you and they say, hey, and they want to charge you with the crime of what was back there. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Aren't you that one we had to take? Yep. But can I tell you, Jesus paid the price. He paid the ransom. What I'm trying to say is this. Don't let no man put you back in the bondage that sin held you in. Therefore, if the Son has made you free, you are free indeed. You can't charge me with the crime that Jesus has. I wish somebody would help me because you can't charge me with what I've already been. That's double jeopardy. You can't. Oh, come on, somebody. You can't put me in jail for what's already been forgiven. You may put me in the jail of your mind, but I ain't going there. You gonna try to charge me with that? You charge me with the truth, say that was me. But that ain't me no more. Jesus done. I tell you what, I'm gonna throw this mic for those of you that know me. Not that mic over there, this mic. You can't charge me with the crime that's already been. I'm guilty. And I come before the righteous judge that paid the price. He didn't just pay my bail and let me get out. Some of you dealing with that right now. You say, I can't wait till I get out. You'll still be guilty when you get out. You won't be no different. You just have a bigger jail. Uh-oh. Can't wait to get out. Can I tell you, why don't you get paid for while you're home right now? Why don't you get paid for right there where you're at? And then when you get out, you'll get into him. Who's he that condemns you? Who's he that condemns? Verse 34. Who has the power to sentence you to death? Who is it that condemns you? Who right now, that if you were washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm talking about restoration. I'm talking about you and I going back to the original state without sin. I'm talking about you and I understand that we are blood-bought free in and through the power of an almighty God, through the Lamb's blood, His Son and my Savior. Who has the power to sentence you to death? Hell's court will. 
A liberal court will. Are you guilty of praising God? Are you guilty of praying to your God, Daniel? Are you guilty of not bowing down to the idols of this world? Yes, but I'll tell you this. You can throw me in the furnace, but when you do, you've got to understand. They may be three going in, but there's four coming out. There's going to be more coming out of this than went into this. You're experiencing the power. I was, come on. I'm talking about I'm at the king's table. You need, you and I, let's be at the king's table. I can't get there on my own. It's through humility. It's through what he's done. I don't have a right. Daniel, we are free. In Jesus' name. I'm still on God. It's for me, not against me. Who has the power to send you to death? It's Christ that died, yet rather he that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. The world give you a death sentence. Jesus gave you a life sentence. When hell said, we got him, God turned his back on him. Some believe God turned his back, got dark. Lie of the world, turn it back. Hell. Satan, we got him. We got him. Can I tell you, boy, didn't Jesus give hell a headache when he, can I tell you, Jesus didn't wait till the third day to get up. Listen, he's preaching to hell. Man, you read the Bible. The Word of God said he went in the lower parts of the earth and he began to preach in hell. Can I tell you, when you're preaching, that's what I do every Sunday. I preach to people that are in hell. And I tell them, hey, listen, you ain't got to stay there. I got to get out of hell free card. And his name is Jesus. You don't have to live in that hellish life that you did. Jesus, listen, I, I don't know when. I don't know how. But there was a three-day revival, man, that Jesus, life come back in them. I don't believe any quicker than they had put the grave. No, I don't believe any quicker than they rolled that stone. Jesus like, well. I'm about to get up and do me some work. And you know what he did? Grant, the word of God said, he went to the lower parts of the earth, but he led captivity captive. Let me tell you what that is. When he lead captivity captive, it's whatever's holding you. I want to tell you this, that hell tries to act like a great Dane in your life. Jesus is the authority. Can I tell you, he'll turn that great Dane into a chihuahua. It may have a bark, but it can't, it can't, a chihuahua can't even get around my ankle. I need to tell you right now. You need to take authority in Jesus' name. He led captivity captive. It's your choice. I'm still on point number one. I'm going to say it again. I want you to get it. And I want, I want the Holy Spirit to really etch this in your mind. Say it with me. God is for me. Not against me. Why? The world gave me a death sentence, you're guilty. Jesus gave me a life sentence and not just a life sentence, an abundant life sentence. I got life here, I'm going to have life there. The only thing that's dead to me is yesterday and all the sin that I used to be in. I'm thankful today that God has restored the joy of my salvation. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? do a message just simply called who out of these verses 835 who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation distress persecution famine nakedness peril or sword let me tell you what separated so many people from the Lord church 
church. More people get hurt in church than get healed in church. And the problem, listen, because I'm going to get you there, Mephibosheth. Before we're done with this, you're going to quit blaming them, and you're going to say, I'm the problem, and God's going to set you free right there where you're at. The people you're blaming need the same Jesus you're looking for. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Jenny, that old song you sing, can't nobody. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. So tribulation, distress, church people, song leaders, praise team, pastors, sickness, disease, virus, peril, sword, nation, rise up against me. Any of it. What's keeping you from loving him? What's, what, what separates you from the love of Christ? i got to tell you right now, once you've come to know his love, they won't be nobody keep you from him. They won't be nobody keep you from him. Once you have tasted of what is good. So then why is it come? Romans 8, 37. Nay, in all these things, in distress, amen, persecution, famine, peril, sword, people try to cut you, kill you. Does that keep you from the love of Christ? No, Eric, unless you let it. The only thing that keeps you from the love of Christ is you and your love for something greater than him. So what are you doing, Lord? I love verse 37. Ties back to where we started. If God be for me, who can be against me? Nay, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. I can conquer sickness. I can conquer hell. I can conquer peril. I can conquer when people cut me, try to kill me. Can I tell you, you may kill this flesh, but you can't kill this fire of the Holy Ghost that's in each and every Christian that believes in the power of who He is. Listen, if you're here today and you're understanding that people have bruised, cut, or hurt, you need to understand that only you can separate you from the love of Christ. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Listen, His side of the deal is done. We preach, we're preaching on the unleavened bread. Jesus ain't the leaven or the leaven kind. He became sin. We sing it, but do you realize and do you believe it? He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You sing it, you say it, but do you believe it? He became my lie. He became my murderous tongue. He's become my stealing heart. God's for me, not against me. For I am persuaded. One of my favorite verses in all of the entire word of God. I've got a bunch. I just can't remember them all, but I love this one. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Can I tell you, sometimes life will separate you more than death. So, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm persuaded that neither death nor life. Because sometimes life, if life brings a lot of success, you'll forget God. But I'm persuaded that neither death nor life. 
that if I die, I'm not going to be separated. That God, if you pour it out, and you need to pray that, you need to prepare for blessing. Christians, I need to tell you right now, you need to prepare for blessing. Listen, some of you are building your storehouse bigger. That's awesome. But can I tell you, don't let it be out here. Build it in here. Make more room for God in here, for more love, for more hope, for all those things. Can I tell you, before you give a loaf of bread away, you've got to have a heart to do it. The money would be futile if you don't put a good heart behind it. I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels. You know Satan's an angel. He's really no angel. Yeah, he's an angel. Talk about that in a minute. Nor angels. Nor no demons. No principalities. Municipalities. <laughs> God's governments or anything else. You... I tell you what, church, I got stirred up at the bridge this morning, man, and I tell you what, the Holy Ghost boy showed up in the parking lot and made a house call to this old boy's heart. He's already there, but I got to tell you, man, we had some authority today in Jesus' name, and the word was getting out of the house and into every home that was around. People blowing their horns. I got to tell you this real quick. Somebody told you a lie. They told you that they were going to shut the church down. Hey, I got to ask y'all something up in here. We got a few people up in here today that are helping out. A couple of intercessors and usher too. And these people that help in here. Can I tell y'all, can I ask y'all something? Is church shut down, yes or no? Come on, then let's declare God didn't shut church down. Why should we let man shut church down? Can I tell you, the problem was this, is that your shutdown came because of your shut eye. You fell asleep. Now God's waking up the church, and a giant's coming out of this. Through this intimate time that you got with God, I can't wait. I can't. Yeah, I can. I just tell, I tell you, I'm having church. I, I, it ain't stopped for me. And it don't need to stop for you. What I've got to tell you, pregnant people coming back to church, you're going to be so pregnant with him, y'all going to walk different. You're going to waddle in here. You're going to be full of his presence. Some of you are going to get in here. You're going to fall to your knees. Why? Because his presence is heaven. Some people will come back like, what? You ain't pregnant. You ain't pregnant. My little wife, 5'1", 120 pounds, something like that. I don't know what. Can I tell you, 5'1", when she got pregnant, she knew it and everybody else did too. She walked different. She waddled. Can I tell you something? When you get pregnant with his spirit, and when Jesus is alive in you, you'll walk different. You'll waddle. Can I tell you, when you wrestle with God, come on, Jacob. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You'll come out with a name change. The church just won't be the church anymore. It'll be the bride. It'll be the body because you've wrestled with God all night long. And now he's revealing who he is in you. People are going to come back pregnant with the presence of God. 
and it's on some of you right now so heavy you can't even stand. Pastor, why the sometimes do you shake? Pastor, why sometimes you can't stand? Why does your knees get weak? Because that Shekinah glory, that kabod, that weight of God, you can't stand. Why does Stephanie get down on her knees? Because her knees won't hold it anymore. Why do I pray? Why? Because could it be that I've got to get lower so I can get higher in Him? Could it be that God's not looking at height? He's looking at depth. And the deeper you go with God in your home, the more He's going to bring back with you to the house. Some people will come back not changed at all. My wife got eight or nine months old, or excuse me, eight or nine months pregnant. They wouldn't know denying. There was something on the inside of her that needed to come out. Those of you that have the Holy Ghost on our way to Pentecost. The church has been hid for much too long. going to come out, but we ain't going to be the same. We're coming back. We're giving birth, man. God is doing a new thing. And this offspring is not going to look like you. It's not going to look like anything you've ever seen before. It's going to look like him. Look at that hair. No, look at that hope. Look at those eyes. No, look at the I am. Look at those feet. No, look where those feet have been. I've waited all my life for this. God's calling the hungry. The hopeless. The bruised, the battered, and those that are crippled. How's it going to look different? There won't be pictures of you on the wall. There'll just be pictures of him. God's for me, not against me. Principalities, nor powers, nor things present. Not what I'm going through, and nor things to come. No height, nor depth, nor any other creature should be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That old song, Jenny, we used to sing, Where Could I Go? But to the Lord. Anywhere could we go? In John 6, Peter, which is a representation of the church, he didn't get it until afterwards. You all know that, like we don't many times. Jesus said, will you also go away? Church, when it's time to come back in, will you go back?
Peter said, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. God is for me, not against me. Misty, I know you're probably out there, K105. You can just hang on. We'll pay for the extra time. We need to. How many of y'all in the house think we need to keep going? Well, whether y'all do or not, I'm going on. That's point number one. Where am I going? Guys, listen. Brother Wayne, hurry up. I got to pick up order at the Mexican at 1 o'clock. You the same mindset you was when you was in here? You waiting on, hey, listen, if you waiting on dinner there, why don't you sit with me at the king's table? I've got a place for, table for two. Come on, somebody. Do you understand? I got, Potter's hope your table is ready. table's ready. The whole time you've been there in the waiting room, God's preparing a table. God's preparing a table for you. It's the king's table. Potter's hope your table's ready. We've got some new things for you to try. I'm not going back. I might have to do drive in church now, but I ain't doing drive through church no more. I'm going to sit down at the king's table. I'm tired. I'm going to keep doing what God called me to do, and that's get the word out. But I'm telling you, I'm tired of talking to a box with a voice in it and ordering through a Old time God said, you had your eyes on them anyway. Now you got them on me. You can't see them. Just do what I called you to do. Point number two. Verses two and three. Second Samuel 9. I'm staying on task. There was one of the house of Saul, a servant whose name was Ziba. He called him into David. The king said unto him, King David said, are you Ziba? And he said, yep, thy servant, that's me. Paraphrasing. The king said, is there yet any of the house of Saul that I may, may show the kindness of God unto him? Jake, you remember preaching that? No, you do. It ain't been that long ago. Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan. See, now Jonathan Saul, like I said, that's his son. Jonathan got a son, but he lame on his feet. This Saul's grandson. Now I'm going to preach to you. Now we got the preliminary out of the way. I got a question. Where are you? Couldn't wait to get right here. Where are you? 
because the king's sending somebody to look for you today. I didn't know that he would be finding you at home on a Sunday morning during this time. I didn't know he'd be coming to you through pottershope.com or Facebook Live or K105. But can I tell you, regardless of what I thought or what I may have thought should have happened, now God's reaching you. Why? Because the king is calling for you. He's sending the holy. Come on, somebody. He's coming. No, you wait on FedEx, you wait on UPS, you wait on everybody else to deliver you something. Can I tell you, those that wait on the Lord, He's going to renew your strength. Hey, somebody's knocking at the door. It's the Holy Ghost. Come on, Mephibosheth. It's time for you to leave Lodabar. Remember, you can't get to point number two if you don't understand point number one. God is for me. Wait a minute. Who's, who's looking for me? Looking through the peephole. Who is it? That's all you get to see in church. A little glimpse of him. If you'd open the door, he'd come in and sup with you. I just saw him say, who, who is it? Who are you? I'm here on behalf of King David. What? Who? Wait a minute. My granddaddy wanted to kill David. If you, don't get point, if you don't get point number one, point number two ain't going to make no sense. The king wants to cure you, not kill you. Your granddaddy, Adam, brought sin's curse upon you. where you got to choose. This is big. Amen. I mean, I'll tell you what, if the Lord is, he's given me some stuff before you know that. But I need to tell you this right now. This is where you are. I want you to understand that the enemy wants you to stay in Lodabar. Write this down, please. I'll be slow. Kathy, take this note. Understand that the enemy is against you. Let's do it again. God is for me. Who can be against me? This point, write this down. The enemy. If he can cripple your mind, he will cripple your mission. If he can cripple your mind, write that on the screen for me, guys. If he can cripple your mind, he will cripple your mission. Because this is what's going on in Mephibosheth's head. That when you look back at chapter 4, and Jake, you did a masterful job here a while back. Can I tell you, when he was 4 or 5 years old, listen, in the heat of the battle, he was running away. His nurse was packing him, and somebody dropped him. And can you imagine all the years? I don't know how old Mephibosheth is. He's old enough to have a son. He's old enough to be a son. He's old enough to have all these things. And the thing is, what's echoing through his mind all those days in Lodabar, which is a place of desolation, his mind wonders about what should have been. 
And now what he knows is that his grandfather is dead, his daddy is dead, and any hope that he had to being a successor and or having favor now has been quenched. And now the very one that his grandfather threw the javelin at and tried to kill is now sent somebody to knock at his door. But that king didn't come to kill you. In the natural mind, we say an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You do me that way, I'll do you that way. Aren't you thankful God doesn't work like that? You hurt me, I'll hurt you. I'm going to go back to point. If the enemy can cripple your mind, he will cripple your mission. The mission and what we do for God doesn't begin in my step. It begins in my thought. My, my step starts with my thought. Number one, God doesn't want to kill me. I know that God loves me beyond a shadow of a doubt. If I fail, He'll give me the strength to get up. If I sin, I've got an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God. Listen, not in intermission, not taking a break, but in intercession right now. God doesn't take a time out. If you sin, the only thing he's waiting on, he's ready. He's waiting on you. Don't wait on him. That as quick as you say, forgive me, and you mean it. You are. So the problem is this. The reason you're in Lodabar is what should have been. You look at a set of crippled feet because somebody dropped you. The story's been preached thousands of times. But today it's just as new as me as the first time I preached it, I guarantee you, over a decade ago. Why? Because this is a message that preaches in me because it's a testimony to me. Years he looked at crippled feet, wondering if everybody, no, you're locked away, shut away, and nobody cares. Maybe you thought nobody cared until today. But listen, my God cares for you. Hallelujah. So you can, come on somebody, cast all your care upon him. Get yourself up off a of lazy. Holy Ghost is knocking at the door. Will you get up? It's always been like that. Stay with me. What should have been. And it's always going to be that way. This is one thing that I see people drag in and out of relationships all of their life. And their mind stays tainted, messed up, and bruised, battered, and crushed. Because it's simply this. They let me down, you'll let me down. They stole from me, you'll steal from me. They cheated on me, you'll cheat on me. They lied to me, you'll lie to me. And all they ever do is live in regret and remorse instead of living in restoration and life. Well, you can't tell that to God. God, you lied to me. God cannot lie. God, you've cheated on me. He didn't cheat death, and he won't cheat you. God, hold on a minute. God, you stole from me. No, he didn't, he didn't steal nothing from you. He took some stuff from you that you gave him, like your hopelessness and your sin. God didn't steal nothing. If he stole it, you weren't aware of it, and you need to repent of it. Excuse me, we need to repent of it. 
The only thing that Jesus ever stole was the joy that Satan had when he thought he had it. Are you there right now? I ain't done. I'm going to finish. Pray for me. Are you there right now? What should have been? It's always going to be this way. They did it, so you'll do it. Can I tell you right now what that is? That comes from an element, listen, of fear, and it's coming against faith. And your fear will continue to rule until your faith does. That was a mouthful right there if you'll hang on to it. The real part of this is that many of us will stay in low to bar and we'll complain and we'll murmur and we'll do everything else. I'm not putting all this to Mephibosheth's charge, but if you want to change, you've got to come out. I wrote this down. And it's to be true. You have a right in the United States of America to speak your mind. Many of you, I've heard people say, well, I've got a right to speak my mind. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that you do. I'm going to say it again. You've got a right to speak your mind. That's not the problem. The problem doesn't lie in the authority to do so. The problem lies in the fact that you do, but you're speaking... problem is this, is that you do, and you're speaking your mind, and your mind is a mess. And so what you then begin to do is that you speak your mess and vomit and spew your mess over everybody that's in your home. Pastor, what are you trying to say? That what's in your head now is affecting what's in your home. have a right to speak your mind but it's not the mind of God the word of God says in Philippians 2 and verse 5 let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not equal or thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men Jesus had a reputation, and you do too. How many of you have had a reputation and you don't like it? Can I tell you, maybe you've got the reputation that you've never lost a fight. Maybe that you've got a reputation for winning the argument. It says marriage number six. Maybe you've got that reputation for always being right. says the one, why don't I have more friends? What about the one that sees the sin and everybody else and then asks the question, why am I so miserable? Why is my home a mess? My mom used to say something like this. This house, <laughs> she'd say it with a German accent. She spoke great English, but she said, this house looked like a tornado hit it. I got some of these ladies in here shaking their heads right now. This house looked like a tornado hit it. Can I tell you, it wasn't the clothes that was thrown everywhere that made a mess. It's the words thrown everywhere that makes a mess. The problem is not the tornado. The problem is the hot air that you're spewing everywhere and wrecking the house. She didn't say they said, man, it looked like a bomb went off in here. Can I tell you, that bomb was you. And understand this, when a bomb hits your home, there'll be casualties. in your head's gotten you home.
Pastor, what do I do? I'm on point number two. Where are you? And point number two is this. If he can cripple your mind, he'll cripple your mission. So what, how do I change that? The problem is you got a problem from your mind to your mouth. If you will shut your mind, you'll learn to shut your mouth. Say, Pastor, that sounds forceful. Write it down. If I'll shut my mind, I'll learn to shut my mouth. Where does it come from? Outline here. Where does all this junk come from? Hell. Remember, God's for you. Asher, remember, God's for you. Don't come from God. Where does it come from, Dennis? It comes from hell. Why is that? Now listen to me. The enemy, we can agree, can't we? John chapter 10, the Word of God says that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? Now I want you to think about this, Stephanie. If a complete stranger walks up to you and he or she says, Hey, listen, I know you don't know me. My name's so-and-so. But what I want to tell you is this. That I have full intention to steal everything that you care about. Everything that has worth in your life, every jewel, whether it be around your neck or wrapped around your heart, everything that you have that is worth to you, I want to steal it. Oh, and before you answer, and before you decide you want to be friends with me, not only do I want to steal it, but I want to kill everything that you care about. A complete stranger walks up to you and says, I want to kill everything that you care about. I want to kill everything that you love. I want to kill everyone. Imagine having a conversation with somebody for any more than a split second that says that. Oh, and before you answer, I want to destroy. I don't only want to steal what's worth worth something to you. I don't only want to kill what you love and what you like. But I want to destroy every good thing in your life that you ever thought was good. I want to destroy every dream. I want to destroy every piece of favor. I want to turn every dream you had into a nightmare. How's that sound? There wouldn't be one person that should be listening or in this room that say, oh man, that's who I want to be friends with. You know what? And yet you do. Because the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So pastor, I don't want to be friends with hell. I don't want to be friends with Satan. Well, of course you don't. And of course you wouldn't take that narrative that I just spoke to you. But you know what he does? The Word of God says that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Instead of coming to steal, kill, and destroy, he'll pet, pat, and approve you. And the angel that you're giving power to is one that you let in. Because now the angel of pity that you have in your life is becoming an angel of power. He doesn't just want part of you. He wants all of you. Now. And he convinces you that everybody else is out to hurt you. But he wants to help you. And he puts things in your mind like they they don't care. They've done me like this before. 
And before you know it, he gets you to start believing it about God. If God loved you, he wouldn't let you go through that. If God cared, that wouldn't be happening. Now, because of that hurt and because you've become friends with the devil and you started following him, I wrote this down. I didn't want to forget it. Now you've become a trained assassin hiding behind a religious cloak so you can tell everybody what they should be doing, the way they should be living. And instead of getting them to Jesus, you tell them about everything that's wrong with them instead of telling how Jesus can right their wrong. Two things. Write this down. I did it in parentheses. Shut mouth, show kindness. <laughs> Is it that simple? I don't even have to speak. Do we even have to speak to show the love of God? Praise team, come on up here. I'm almost done, I think. Please don't turn this off because, please, please don't. Stay here with me. Man, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you staying with me. What do I know about this angel of power and this angel of pity? Amy, this is really powerful. It's a powerful thought. Why does hell court you? Why does Satan court you? Why did he do it? Let's go back to where we started. Let's go back to where the things used to be. When man had authority, when man had power, he came to Eve. He came to Eve. No offense, ladies. But he came to Eve. Satan is not all-knowing. Nor would I say or even declare or even begin to believe that. But he does know the way of man. He knows the pride of the eyes, the flesh, lust, different things like that. He understands that. So I got to thinking about this. What was he doing with Eve? Was it really just deceit? Or is there some way that he thought that Eve was a threat? The only way that hell will ever see you as a threat is when hell sees that there's a seed in you. Uh-oh. It's not what was on her. It was what was in her that would conquer Satan. Genesis chapter 3. You see, it's not what's on you. Can I tell you, I can't run hell off with a smile. I can't run hell off with my hands raised. But can I tell you, there's a seat. No, I'm pregnant with his presence. There's a seat in me. And that seat is, come on, y'all. There's a... For those of you that tuned out too quick, can I tell you, hell will defeat you every time till he sees there's a seed in you and that seed is Jesus and that seed's growing. And listen, he's coming after you, but Jesus is coming out of you and hell's no match for your maker. Until hell sees what's in you, Hell will continue to devour you. Oh, you want more than that. Let me give you scripture. Somebody declare with me. Say, greater is he that is in me 
than he that's in the world. I wish about 15 people, even at home, would start praising God and declare that. Restoration begins from the inside out. People change. Outside is later than inside. It was the seed of Eve and the seed of Abraham that would come down a line of heritage and blood that by one man's disobedience many were made sinners yet by one man's obedience many were made righteous so your lame excuse if I can't do like Jesus did he was God no he was man 100% man 100% God you can't say Jesus doesn't know what it's a lie because Jesus the word of God says in all points he was tempted just like you are he understand what it's like to go through a night not wanting the next morning do you think that he was all full of joy listen in the middle hallelujah of Gethsemane can I tell you the junk and everything else he still had the joy of knowing that there was a plan to finish because he had been called to that Verse 13. If there's anybody there in your home, go ahead. Let me read this first. Verse 13, point number three. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table, and he was lame on his feet. Jake, listen, I know you've talked before about his feet. Didn't people see that? But can I tell you, I'm thinking this ain't a story of restoration. This man's feet still lame. Turn to somebody in your house and say it was never about your feet in the first place. Now I'm going to help you. He didn't come to restore your feet. He came to restore your faith. I got a pattern. Write it down. He didn't come to restore my feet. He came to restore my faith. Because Mephibosheth was alone. And he was away from everybody. And said, I don't have a chance. My bloodline's been stopped. You see, we as Gentiles have no hope. But then Jesus showed up and said, I came to my own. But my own received but my own received me not. Watch me graft in a new limb. Watch what I do. It was never about your feet in the first place. It ain't about restoring your feet. He stayed lame. You can call me a lame preacher and you'd be right. Because I've wrestled with God, not a limp. People say, he got a limp. I wrestled with God, man. I know what I'm talking about. God took something out of me, man, when I was young, 23 years old. He put something else back in me. And when you wrestle with God, that's what he'll do. He'll take something out, but he won't leave you empty. He'll put something else back in. So listen to me. It was never about restoring your feet. You can be lame and still going to heaven. You can be restored and still limp. Now, let me help you. It wasn't about restoring your feet. Tell somebody in your house it was about restoring your faith. What he did is he restored the faith. Nobody's coming from me. I'm forgotten about. I'm done. You're out there. I'm all alone. You're not today. You're not today. People online right now telling you more than that. They're online, but there's a bloodline telling you right now you're not alone. You're not alone. You're the reason I came. You're the reason I'm knocking on that door.
open, about restoring your fetus, about restoring your faith. Point number one, point number two, and point number three. He can't, if you don't let him restore your faith, he can't restore your future. Do you hear me? We're going back to the original. never about restoring your fetus. It's about restoring your faith. And Jake, only by restoring my faith can he restore my future. I won't wake up tomorrow morning in fear of what I may get. I'll wake up tomorrow morning in the joy of what I already have. God wants to restore somebody's future now. You've had nothing to look forward to. You do now because God is for you, not against you. Write this down. Every Sunday, every Sunday, Almost every, I, I won't say every Sunday. I, I'll preach something, it'll be something like this. The essence of it will be this, will you go with me? Jake, you know, in life, we, we don't like going places alone. And we'll say, hey, will you go with me? You want to go with me? Every Sunday, I, I preach something like that, and I bet you do too. Hey, y'all want to go with me? No, I'm going to stay on. I'll stay here. Where you go? I'll stay here. Today, I'm asking you. Will you go with me? Amy, I know you'll go. I know my kids going to go with me. But how about your kids? Write this down, please. I've got a question. Really just a line. From a Phoebus chef, when he looked through that peephole, and that's really what I'm looking at right now, that when I looked through that, Or when Mephibosheth looked through that, who is it? Some point right in there, see, Kathy, my mind plays to this point of, what's he thinking? And then this thought hit me. Write it down. What it takes to leave versus what it costs you to stay. you write that down, please? Eric, could you put that up on the board? What it takes to leave versus what it'll cost you to stay. What's it take to leave Lodabar? Am I going to look at crippled feet or the hope of a better table? What's it take to leave? Faith. What's it cost to stay? everything. It'll take faith to go and your future. Point number three, cannot, cannot, you can't arrive there until you satisfy what is number two. Your faith is your future. What it takes to leave 
versus what it'll cost you to stay. Closing. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Jenny, one day, I've seen some beautiful things in here. I've seen my kids grow and everything and all this stuff. And I've watched my grandbabies and seen some really cool things. But man, I, I, I'm understanding I ain't seen nothing yet. Behold, I'm going to make all things new. And he said unto me, right, Asher, these words are true and faithful. The words I'm getting ready to speak to you in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, speaking to the new Jerusalem, you can read the whole chapter. He said unto me, it is done. Isn't it amazing how Jesus said, it is finished. It is done. I'm Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is thirsty of the fountain of water freely. Verse 7, he that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. I know there was probably three messages in that, so pick out the one that preached to you. never about your feet it's about your faith it's about your future they're getting ready to sing a song and I'm going to bring you to an altar call excuse me I'm going to let the Holy Spirit bring you to an altar call it's not time to turn it off and for those maybe that will watch later thank you for watching later but for those of you that seen it live tell them <laughs> tell them man how good your God is. But I come all the way to this point. So whether you're watching in Florida, Michigan, Germany, or wherever, Amy, I can declare today that God is for me, not against me. I can declare today because I know that the enemy has tried to cripple my mind so he could cripple my mission. What I've seen before in my life, it's never about my feet. It was about me having the faith to leave where I was at and go to where he was. That's powerful. See, Mephibosheth made it. He made it, will you? Pray, will you, Heavenly Father? First and foremost, we just want to praise you and thank you. Holy Spirit, you know, we're so lost without you. And I'm so thankful that we don't have to wait for the 31st. <laughs> that, God, we don't have to wait for the feast that's coming. And, God, truly, I believe it's something that, that's worth noting and marking. But, God, the love feast of who you are has already begun. Lord, in the church, the true church, the bride, Lord, is rejoicing. And we're drinking from your cup. But, God, today, for those that won't change... That won't accept the challenge. God, let them come right now. We just lay it down. Come on, right there where you are. Lay it down to him. Lay it down to him. Lord, I lay down this attitude. I lay down this sin in my life. 
Jesus, this preacher says, this preacher said that if I bring all of it to you, that I confess my sins to you, you'll take it. Every broken, bitter day I've had in my life, God, forgive me if I've lied, cheated, stole. What was it, mine? I bring it to you. Holy Spirit, bring your, you bring your conviction right now. Bring it to the church. Judgment must begin at the church, at the house of God. Lord, forgive us. So right now, if the Lord is moving in your life, pray to him. Pray to him right now. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Take my sin. I've heard you're a jealous God, Lord. You're convicted. And now I confess. Take my sin. I repent of all the wrong I've done. God, be your words, not mine. Right now, right there where you are. We ain't done. They're going to worship. I want you to continue in worship. Continue in prayer. Young person, you may be hiding it from mom and dad, but you ain't hiding it from him. Husband, wife, you may be hiding it from somebody else, but you ain't hiding it from him. God bless you, church. We love you.